couldn't help but think of the Andrews sisters while they were singing. (laughs) But better and a better subject. But that was beautiful, wasn't it? Very well done. Thank you. Turn to Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah 59. I may don't have a clue who the Andrews sisters were. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay, not many. Some of you said amen anyway. Figured it had to be good, I guess. Notice beginning in verse 1, he says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Now, I'm going to preach on this whole chapter, but I want you to go over to verse 14. And God declares, and judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth. And he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord sought, and it displeased him, that there was no judgment. And get this, verse 16. And he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness it sustained him. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. What a statement. Truth has fallen in the street. Seems to be where we're at in America today. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that the Spirit of God would fill me, that I'd preach as you'd have me to preach for your honor and glory. Lord, speak to hearts, convict of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And Father, we will thank you for what you do in every heart and life. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Several years, I was, uh, years ago, I was out knocking on doors. This is back in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I said something to the person that we knocked on their door, and I said something about the truth of God's word. And when I said that word truth, the lady's eyes lit up. She said, truth? You want to see truth? And she went back inside, came back out on the porch, and she had a magazine called The Plain Truth. Problem was, the plain truth was a plain lie. It was put out by Herbert W. Armstrong and the Worldwide Church of God. It wasn't worldwide and it wasn't the Church of God either, but nevertheless, that was all part of it. The plain truth. Well, as he said here, truth has fallen in the streets. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah the prophet later will write in Jeremiah chapter 5 and verses 1 and 2, Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, and see now and know, and seek in the broad places thereof, if he can find a man, if there be any that executeth judgment, that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon it. In verse 7, how shall I pardon thee for this? Thy children have forsaken me, and sworn by them that are no gods. When I had fed them to the full, they then committed adultery. And assembled themselves by troops in the harlots' houses. 
And then in verse 31 of chapter 5 of the book of Jeremiah, he says, the prophets prophesy falsely and the priest bear rule by their means and my people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the end thereof? Seven years ago, I preached a message called Post-Truth. In 2016, the Oxford Dictionary's word for the year was post-truth. Now, since that term was new to a lot of people, and it was new to me, I had to look it up. And I looked it up, and I saw that the term meant this, that whatever you believe, if you really believe that it's true, then it's true whether it's true or not. That was the Oxford Dictionary's word for the year. But here we are now, we're seven years down the road. And we are seeing the fruit of seven years of post-truth. We're seeing it. Matter of fact, I, I read this interesting article uh, in the Friday News Notes, Brother Cloud. The title of it was Murderer Identifies as Infant in British Prison. Now, here's what he wrote about that. It's difficult to know who is nuttier in this case, the infant or the British government. The following is excerpted from Killer, now identifies as an infant, from the Daily Mirror, January 28th of this year, just a couple of weeks ago. A killer who transitioned from male to female while in prison has demanded that guards hold her hand while outside her cell because she identifies as an infant. Sophie Eastwood, 36, was named Daniel when she was jailed for life in 2004 after using shoelaces as a garrote to strangle her cellmate. Eastwood, who has lived as a woman in Her Majesty's prisons for the past four years, has been described as attention-seeking and manipulative by sources inside the jail. The murderer has now told chiefs at Polmont Prison in Brighton, Scotland, that she identifies as a tot and should be allowed to wear diapers and have her meals pured like baby food. Prison bosses are taking Eastwood's request seriously and have already supplied her with a dummy, that's a pacifier, so sources tell the daily record. And you're thinking, who is in the office of this prison? They need to go back to kindergarten school. These people don't have a clue. And I can only imagine as every request this person, this human makes, every time this person changes what it wants to be, they're taking it serious. So what happens if this person decides? I mean, after all, they're taking all this seriously. What happens if this person decides that tomorrow she's going to feel like a bald eagle and she's being unfairly kept in the zoo behind bars and needs to be set free to soar? around Great Britain. 
You say, preacher, that's ridiculous. That's not as ridiculous as what I just read to you. I mean, when we have a Supreme Court justice ask the question, she has asked the question, what is a woman? She can't answer. She doesn't know. I mean, it's almost like we're rereading the book, The Emperor Has No Clothes. Because this is absolute stupidity coming out of the mouths of people who have college degrees, which doesn't say a whole lot for the colleges in America today. You say, preacher, what has happened? Truth is fallen in the streets. In just the last 72 hours, let me give you five examples from Daily Mail Online. Number one, the next opiate crisis is this. How online sports betting has put casinos in, in the pockets of millions of Americans, tripled rates of gambling addiction, and threatened a flood of bankruptcies and suicide. But you see, we keep voting in more lotteries, and now we make it easier for people to get caught up in gambling. It doesn't make any difference how many homes we ruin. It doesn't make any difference how many young people are being brought up by moms and dads who have absolutely no control over themselves and our government keeps feeding it because, after all, we're doing this for the children. We'll be voting on lottery not too long. Again, we voted on it how many times since I've lived in the state of Alabama. And you will hear this over and over again. We need to do this for the children. We need the tax money. I got news for you. For those legislators, it's not about the tax money. It's about the money that ends up in their pocket. It's about the money that helps them get elected the next time because they don't care how many homes they ruin, how many young people end up with moms and dads that can't even hold a job because they're addicted to stuff like this. But truth has fallen in the streets. A second one here. This is the statement. Do you want a dead daughter or a live son? St. Louis Trans Clinic is investigated for harming 600 children as whistleblower reveals doctors perform transition surgeries on minors. Sure, that's all about the children. Not on your life, man. That's not about the children. These are people that ought to be put in jail. They are worse than pedophiles. And they're treated as serious human beings because truth has fallen. Could you imagine even the hint of something like this 50 years ago in this nation? People would have been up in arms. But today, it's all right. Here's the third one. A third of Americans are open to the idea of genetically enhancing their children to make them smarter, a study suggests. Or this one. He doesn't have sexuality yet. Dad sparks furious debate after taking his three-year-old son for, for pink manipet, no, mani-pedi after his teacher told him painted nails were only for girls. So the man fired back at trolling at trolls questioning if his child is gay. You know, I don't know why anybody does the reveal today. Because according to this post-truth society that we live in, 
You don't know what they are. Because you don't know what they feel like they are in the womb. According to them. Now that's post-truth. Truth is fallen in the streets. Here's one. A Maine mother demands investigation after school counselor. I'm assuming this would be a person who actually went to college. After school counselor gave her 13-year-old a chest binder and started calling her by a male name to help her socially transition without her parents' consent. These are wicked people. And they are the ones running the asylum today. This is pure wickedness. And if it doesn't seem wicked to you, Truth has fallen in the street. You have no clue what truth even is. In the beginning, God made them male and female. There are no other genders. There's nobody that is non-binary. I hate to shock you. A lot of teenagers are claiming that today because it sounds cool. No, it sounds like you're an idiot. It sounds like you've never even observed just the plain facts of anatomy. There is male and female, period. Insanity abounds. For instance, bringing in Muslim refugees. There's nothing to protect us from ISIS or any of the other groups that are over there in wherever land they're in. And we're doing it at the expense of our own dollars. I mean, after all, we have no borders in America today. We've got tighter borders between Alabama and Georgia than we do between Mexico and the United States or between Canada and the United States. You know that, that illegal immigration is taking place has increased 738% from the northern border, not just the southern border. We don't stop anybody. And somebody, when Representative Jordan recommended the other day that only U.S. citizens be allowed to vote in U.S. elections, they, they screamed him down. We're nuts. Truth is fallen in the streets. Over one million, I'm sorry, that's incorrect, one billion Muslims on earth. And we are told that only 10% of them are extremists. You know, World Trade Center extremists. Only 10% of them. I decided to figure out the math on that. 10% of 1 billion is 100 million that are extremists. What about the, that's 10% of them. What about the other 90%? They'll never condemn that 10%. And they don't. As a matter of fact... After the San Bernardino shootings that took place a few years ago, the U.S. Attorney General threatened to prosecute not U.S. hating Muslims, but American citizens who speak out against Islam. So much for the First Amendment. Matter of fact, we'll find out what happens to this message on the Internet. What brings us to such a crazy day? That such insanity can abound like it has. It's because truth has fallen in the streets. How did that happen? Well, in the passage that we 
began to look at in chapter 59, we read some verses here. The sins of society, and see if it doesn't match us today. Notice he says in verse 3, For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongues hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. Their trust in vanity and speaking lies, they conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. Go down to verse 6. In verse 6 it says, Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works, for their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil. And they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not. And there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whatsoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Therefore is judgment far from us. You watch the 24-hour news cycle, and that's just about all that you get in America. Now, in the passage, he was talking about Israel in Isaiah's day. And they didn't even have the Internet. They didn't have the TV or anything like that. You read your local paper. You hear the cry from those calling for justice who only mean, give us what we want and allow us to do whatever we want to do. And we use terms to justify it. We condemn on innuendo. And we've got several favorite cards that we like to play in this country. Everybody is a racist. America is a racist nation. That's what they say. And so that allows us to do anything that we want to do. No. No. Have we had problems with that in the past? Yes, we have. Is there a lot of racism today? Yes. And it's not limited to whites. Matter of fact, every color group you can imagine has some racist in them. Because the problem has never been a racist problem. It's been a difference problem. We don't like people who are different. Mankind has been like that. Read the Bible. God tells us what it's like. Then there's the vain anticipation of the people. You read beginning in verse 9. In verse 9. He says, therefore, is judgment far from us, neither doth justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold obscurity for brightness, but we walk in darkness. Verse 10, we grope for the wall like the blind. We grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. Kind of reminds you of the scene in Sodom and Gomorrah. When the men of the city came to Lot's door and they knocked on the door because the angels uh, were being put up at Lot's house. And as they struggled to get in, you remember the angels struck the men that were outside with blindness. And you would think, suddenly being struck with blindness, the natural response would be, Oh no, what's happened to me? Somebody help me. Find my house. I'm blind. That's not what happened. They were so bent on their wickedness and in their blindness, they were still trying to find the door so they could carry out their wickedness. And that's America today. 
Don't preach against my sin. Don't preach against the things that I want. No matter how bad you may seem, they're good to me. So let me do it all. And we condemn anyone who puts anything in our way. We say one thing and walk another. We grope for comfort in sin and we find none because there is no comfort in sin. Be sure your sin will find you out and whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And then we cry for justice and don't even know the meaning of the term in verse 11. And of whom hast thou been afraid or feared that thou hast lied and hast not remembered me nor laid it to thy heart? Have not I held my peace even of old and thou fearest me not. And then he refers, now he's talking about Israel back in Isaiah's day. And yet it seems to be a picture of our own nation even today. For the vain anticipation of the people leads to the evil present condition, verse 14. And here is the problem. And shall we say, cast ye up, cast ye up, prepare the way, Take up the stumbling, I'm in the wrong chapter, I'm sorry. Verse 14, chapter 59. And judgment is turned away backward and justice standeth afar off for truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey and the Lord sought and it displeased him that there there was no judgment across our land in the biggest cities of America Crime is running rampant and they have prosecutors who will do nothing. Nothing. It's amazing. I just read a story this morning about a a man who had uh, been on trial for double murder. He got off and I don't remember the technicality that he got off on. The next thing he did, he went out and he killed a little baby. You think this is nuts, man. It's protect the criminal day. We have no idea of justice because truth has fallen in the streets. An ESPN reporter a couple years ago said he believed marriage was between a man and a woman. and He got fired. You remember when the founder of uh, Chick-fil-A said that marriage was between a man and a woman. He said nothing about homosexuality. And they screamed him down. They didn't just scream him down. They called for national boycotts. Well, I got news for you. In God's eyes, marriage is only between a man and a woman. Period. Scream us down. I don't care. We're going to stand for truth in this place. Pastor James McConnell of the White White, uh, Whitwell Metropolitan Tabernacle in Belfast called Islam satanic and heathen. Both of which are true, by the way according to the Bible's teaching. Because the sermon was streamed online, the 78-year-old pastor is being prosecuted under the 2003 Communications Act for allegedly causing a grossly offensive message to be sent by means of a public electronic communications network. See, he's got a good shot of going to jail for an awful long time because he simply gave what was the truth. Oh, I said, preacher, I, I don't know that I like that. Shows how much, by the way, if anything I've said seems shocking to you, that shows how much you've been affected by post-truth. 
Everything I've said so far is just a natural amen to fundamental Bible-believing Christians and has been throughout the time fundamental Bible-believing Christians have been preaching God's book. This shouldn't shock us. Unfortunately, it's the same in the church house today. Read the story this week. Some of you had it sent to you as well. That there is a group of men who came from independent fundamental Baptist churches who are having a conference this weekend, Friday and Saturday. They were having a conference teaching pastors how to transition their church from being a King James Version Bible-believing church to something else. They're being told how to do it. I mean, and these people are well-known in fundamental circles. As a matter of fact, the one man who said that he transitioned his church down in Florida, he said uh, what he did was he used the Nehemiah principle. What he did was he gathered a few men around him after like Nehemiah did. You remember when Nehemiah went to Jerusalem to, to repair the walls, that Nehemiah got a few men around him and he took them around the city so that he would see the need. So he said, I gathered a few men around me and I started dealing with them to show them how we needed to be more open than just the King James Version of the Bible. And he said, and then as you, as you move along in that, when people come up and say you shouldn't be doing that, you tell them, well, then you can just hit the door. Here was a dishonest man, openly says in the thing, by the way, that when he went to the church's pastor, he was not a King James only guy, and he knew the church was. He is one of, one of those wolves talked about in Acts chapter 20. Coming into the flock and devouring the flock. And by the way, he was not using the Nehemiah principle. You see, Nehemiah gathered a few men around him to go around and see what needed to be shorn up. Nehemiah got the men around him to shore up the walls that were broken. This man's breaking them down. Doing exactly the opposite. The thing is, is these people can get into churches today like Calvinists. They'll come in, they'll deny they're Calvinists. But after a couple of years, once they get in, get a few people around them, get them convinced. Now in a church that was a good soul winning church, now they got to fuss and feud for a while until finally the Calvinists take over and all the property where God's people had given their money for the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now it's turned over to a bunch of people who just relax on the building that they now have that other people gave for. They are as dishonest as the day is long. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. It's what they are. Why? They won't stand for the truth. Listen to me. My Bible says, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You show me a church that's a bring your own translation in. You know, you belong to the Bible of the month club and you bring any old translation in that says all kinds of different things. Those people don't have a clue what the Bible really says because they have rejected the truth. Truth has fallen in the streets. So, okay, so I recognize that there is a great problem out there. Why don't we call on the Lord? To fix it. And that sounds like a good plan. The only problem is verses 1 and 2 of the chapter. Verses 1 and 2 of the chapter says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. 
and your sin has hid his face from you that he will not hear. You know, we can change the terms for sin, but sin still sin. God's not changed his terms. He gives us a very clear definition in First, uh, first John chapter 3 and verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law, still is. That hasn't changed. God hasn't changed the name for sin. We change it. I mean, we call it alcoholism. God calls it drunkenness. We call it immorality, I should say. God calls it uh, immorality, whoremongery, and whoredom. Uh, But man calls it sexual addiction. An affair. No, it's not an affair. It's immorality. It's something that God condemns. You see, we can keep changing the names all we want to change them. You say, what's the problem with alcoholism? I'll tell you what. It's because it intimates that there is a gene inside your body that makes you, or a hormone that makes you pick up a bottle of booze and guzzle it. And there is no such gene. It is not a disease. It is sin. And it is a chosen sin. Just like all the other sins. They are chosen sins. Thank God Jesus died to save us from our sins. Hallelujah. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So because of our sin, God says he will not hear. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 27 through 32. He even says that he would mock when our fear cometh. He says, we'll call on him and he will not hear, even there, because we will not turn to obey the Lord. I realize every generation has had to put up with the generation coming up, not wanting it to be quite so strict. And God pity the mom and dad. God pity pity the preacher that softens up on truth so they can please their young people and keep them coming. So you want to keep them coming to hear a lie. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You say, what about the fruit of the spirit, preacher? Oh, good. I'm glad you brought that up. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. Let's look at the fruit of the Spirit. It's important that we understand what the fruit of the Spirit is. Notice he says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 9. He says, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Now the reality is, I don't hate the drunkard. I don't hate the homosexual. They're sinners like all other sinners that need to be saved. I want to see them get saved. We want to give them the gospel because if they'll come to Jesus, he'll save them. He'll make them new creatures. He'll change them. For any sin, whatever sin, if they're thieves, hey, he'll save. We want to give thieves the gospel. We even want to give murderers the gospel. 
We want to give everybody the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the Bible proclaims clearly that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And all of us would die and go to hell, but for the mercy and the grace of God Almighty. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. Now the Bible says, ye that love the Lord hate evil. I am to hate evil. The evildoers, I'm the one to give the gospel to. This church, one that gives the gospel. I've seen people saved in prison. I've seen people saved in jail. Matter of fact, when I used to uh, preach at Coffee County Jail in uh, Coffee County, Tennessee, there in Manchester, I would always start out my first words. I'd preach in there on Sunday morning. And I would get up, and we might have, oh, 20, 30 men that would be in the room to preach to. And I said, let me just start out by telling you, men, that if you got arrested for drunk driving, I'm glad you're here today. Because when you got in that car, you put my life in danger, you put my wife's life in danger, you put my daughter's lives in danger, and I'm glad they caught you. I wasn't going to blow a bunch of smoke in their face. I wanted them to hear the truth. I'm glad they got caught. They were guilty. Although they always blame it on the policeman who caught them. And I want to give the guy a medal for doing his job. Amen. But they understood I was going to give them the truth right from the very beginning. They'd look shocked at first, but it's amazing. Matter of fact, I remember one day we had a man. I still remember his name. Bless his heart. He's with the Lord today. Uh, he was in there for uh, 1129, common sentence, because if you, if you get sentenced for long, at least back then, if you got sentenced for longer than a year, then you'd have to go to the big house. But he was stuck in the jail. This man had been president of an arson investigators group around the country. Didn't drink a drop until he was 42 years of age. He started in his position as being the head of the arson investigators for, I don't know if it was international or just the United States or what was it, uh, that going to the conventions, people would get after him, you know, take a drink, go ahead, you know, have some, have some fun with us down and that's when he took his first drink, 42 years of age, became a drunkard, lost his wife, lost his children, lost his house, lost his job, lost any respect that he had from anybody in the community. Hey, he got saved. See, there was a drunkard that appreciated hearing the truth. He got saved, became a faithful member of the church. People need the truth. Let's give them the truth. You say, but it stings. Well, I think it stung when Jesus told the woman at the well, uh, told her to go call her husband and come hither. And she said, I have no husband. He said, you've said right, you have no husband. For you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. There aren't many soul winners that'd be that straight with somebody. And then she said, our fathers worship in this mountain. You say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. And he said to her, you worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. He told it straight. He gave her the truth. Guess what? When she said, I know Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. He said, I that speak unto thee am he. She doesn't walk away mad. She runs back into the city and tell everyone she's met that she met the Christ. And the whole city came out to it. See, that's a truth encounter. Yeah, and we want to see 
Samaritans, whoever. We want to see them all get saved. That's why we give them the gospel. Notice God's promise in verses 18 and 19. I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will lead him also. I'm going to get the right chapter yet. Verse 18 and 19. Keep flipping these pages around. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. To the islands he will repay recompense. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood and the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. What does God want? He wants some people who stand for the truth. He wants some people that aren't going to compromise. Jesus never compromised truth to win a sinner. He always gave them the truth. He did that to the rich young ruler. When he said to the rich young ruler, one thing thou lackest, he knew even before he said it that that rich young ruler would depart, but he said it anyway because it was the truth. Jesus always told the truth. We need to be truth tellers. We need to be truth livers. And that means by this book, which is the truth. We look about us in our country today, truth has fallen in the streets. Unfortunately, there are a lot of church houses where truth has fallen in the parking lot, never enters the door. But the church house is the place where the truth ought to be especially proclaimed no matter what society is doing. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Dear God, deal with hearts today. I thank you that you put your son on the cross of Calvary to die for our sins, to be buried, to be raised three days later from the dead, so that all that who receive Christ as Savior could have that free gift of eternal life. As a matter of fact, Lord, you made it so plain that Jesus said... No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That the only way to the Father is Jesus Christ. The church can't take him to heaven. Religion can't take him to heaven. Only Christ can take them to heaven. I pray, dear God, if there's one here without Christ, they'd see their need for the Son of God and turn to Jesus today and be saved. May they come to the truth today. I pray for believers today where we find that we have been infected and affected by post-truth, that we're scared to death to stand for truth. I know this church was built on standing for truth. And God, may we ever stand so. May we not compromise. May we stay true to your word. We're not concerned about being popular with the world. We just want to be right with our God. Move upon hearts today, we pray, for we ask it in Jesus' name.